I was directing us to hymns over there. That's right. uh, But I was actually supposed to turn it over to Rob to pray for hurricane relief, so I'll take the blame for that. Pretty much, there's a plan for what's going to happen every day, and then I just do whatever comes right to my mind once I get up here, so that's pretty much how it always goes. Um, But anyway, but everybody still listens to me and entertains the idea when I make a plan that we may actually stick to it, so I appreciate that. Um, I, uh, man, I love these services. Like, like this morning before I even walked up here, we prayed three times. And, uh, in, in my life where sometimes early in the morning I rise to pray and sometimes I rise to sit in the chair and nap some more, um, when I'm, when I want to rise to pray. And then sometimes later in the day I'm trying to spend some time in prayer, even at work, at lunch. But I, I got the next thing on my mind and it's sometimes just hard to slow down and spend some time in prayer. But, I know for me, when I come up here to preach, man, it's a tremendous difference between the weeks I spend time in prayer and the weeks I don't spend that much time in prayer. So I I just love these Sundays where we come and we pray a lot together because it makes such a difference. So um, anyway, I enjoy that that start to the service. I have a friend who um, had a friend in college, and uh, he was a part of a church in, in South Korea, and he said they gather every morning for an hour every morning to pray. And um, they have they've got the South Korea about. 10, 15 years ago, maybe about 15 years ago, having the largest church planning movements in, in, in the world, the world's ever seen. More people coming to faith in Christ faster than anybody ever has. And, um, and, and the guy who really started that morning prayer meeting, that hour every day says, um, man, I believe that's what made all the difference. It's just a heck of a lot of prayer. So, um, good stuff. Let me ask you a question. Um, two questions that have a lot of similarity. Uh, one, anybody ever ask you this? Where do you go to church? Anybody ever ask you that? Where do you go to church? Um, if you've been with us uh, since the beginning, you've had a lot of, you know, a lot of different answers to that question. Um, and one you would say, maybe you'd say Fox and Hound, and they would look at you real funny, like that's where you go to church. And then if they ask you a little while later, you'd say, now where do you go to church again? And you'd say, oh, we, we meet in the outfield, you know, we just... Set up all our chairs out there and we meet in the outfield. And then they ask you a little while later, now tell me again, you guys meet in an outfield? And you'd say, oh no, we meet at Rio Vista Baptist Church. Oh, I've heard of that. No, we don't actually meet there. We just meet there, you know. And so you've had tons of different answers to the questions about where you go to church. But what people want to know when they ask you that question is, is like, where's the building? What's the name? What's the denomination? All those different kind of things, you know. Is it Catholic? Is it not Catholic? Do you guys hold snakes? You know, is it one of those weird things? Do people, do people scream in the aisles? You know, like, like what does it look like? Organ, drums, you know, what, which one of those do you have? What is your pastor like? Does he wear a collar? Does he wear a robe? I don't know if they ever ask you if he wears a t-shirt. But they want to know all those kind of things. Is your pastor weird or is he awkward or is he cool and up to date? And I'm sure you say all of the good things. Um, but they want to know all that kind of stuff about where you go to church. Um, so that's one question. Second question, um, who are you? You ever think about that much? Who are you? If I ask you that, what comes to your mind? Does something definitively come to your mind? 
it's hard for me to, when people say introduce yourself, you know, I, I have no idea what to say. I all of a sudden go all the way back to childhood. And I'm like, well, I'm Adam. I have four brothers and one mother, you know, and, and I don't really, I don't even have four brothers, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't really know what to say and I don't know how to begin to walk through that. Um, but if you ask me who I am and you said, find three words to describe yourself, um, like I can usually do that. And sometimes I feel like I need to add one or I can't even get to three. But I have a, I have a basic idea of who I think that I am. Uh, every time you post, for those of you that post on social media, you contemplate who you are every time. So you want to try to decide who you are and how you want to be perceived and how you think people see you every time you post. And so you know if you don't really cook and you post a big meal online, first you're thinking, man, social media is so fake, you know. Because uh, everybody thinks that I can cook because I posted this meal, but really I can't cook at all. And uh, But you know when you post whether this is really you or whether it's not you at all. Um, because you have a basic idea of, of who you are. What if I told you that those two questions, so what, you know, what kind of church do you go to or what church do you go to and who are you, those two questions are very, very similar. And those two questions are almost the same. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start in verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 is where you're going to see how those two ideas, who you are and what church you go to, are very closely connected. So Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth. Um, Me and Jess were having this conversation this week, and it was just really interesting to me because it was something that she was reading in her quiet time or maybe something they covered in small group. Um, but just this idea of Paul writes all these letters to churches and, and he talks about all the different things they're going through. And I just think, he, but he writes it to an entire city. So he'll write it to like the church at New Orleans or maybe even the church at Jefferson. Sometimes he was smaller than that. But if Paul were writing a letter to the church at New Orleans, like what would he say? Because he's always addressing issues that are going on in the city. And, um, but that, that's what he's doing is he's writing a letter to a church all throughout a city. And so this letter gets to somebody and then they all start transcribing it and they give it to all the churches all around. And everybody reads this letter, all the churches in the city. And you imagine all the different people that are reading Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. I mean, just think of all the different kind of people in the church here in the city. I mean, teachers and, 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 sanitation workers and, and some CEOs and some, and some professional athletes. I mean, across the range, there's all different kind of people in the church. And they're all getting this letter and they're beginning to read it. And, and what the church had at large was it had a bunch of people doing one of two things. And one thing that they were doing is there were a lot of people who weren't satisfied with their role. And they wanted to do something bigger and they wanted to be more important in the church. And then there was this other piece that's more familiar in my experience throughout all my years in church, is in there were a lot of people who wanted to do nothing at all. And they wanted to claim Jesus, but they didn't want to do anything in the life of the church. And so this is what he says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. And he says, now you. And this you is, is it's all of us, but it's also each of us. And so it's like he's saying, now you, and you, and you, and you, and each one of us. He's talking to us as a whole, but as individuals. He says, now you, hear what he's saying to you. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. 
And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. These are all different kind of people God's put in the church with the gifts. Apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. All different kind of people in the church. And then he asks a bunch of rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? Well, no, of course not. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And so here's what he's saying, I think, very clearly. And the thing that connects those two questions is what he says to to you and to me and to everybody in the church is he says, you are the church. And he's talking very clearly to you as an individual. And don't look around like I'm talking to somebody behind you. The unique thing is only a couple of you actually have somebody behind you. Um, But don't, uh, don't, he's talking specifically to you. And, and, and absolutely he's talking to, to this church. And even though he's talking to all the churches, he's talking to this one in particular. It's why I always dodge the question. People, people say this sometimes and, and people ask this, but, but sometimes people will say, Oh, do you have your own church? And, uh, and I get it's just a semantics question, but I really always dodge it because I don't have my own church. You know, I don't own this church. And even though this is a legal entity, and so, you know, for tax purposes and those kind of things, it, I'm just a part of this church. So in no way do I own it or do I have it. That's just not the way that it works. So the most, when people say, where do you go to church? The most appropriate response is, um, right here. But if I'm standing over there, then the church is over there. But if I'm at work, then the church is at work. And that's where I go to church because I am the church. Uh, the word church that you see all throughout the New Testament is this word ecclesia. And I'm sure I said it wrong, but I don't think any seminary professors will listen to our podcast. Um, but it's the word ecclesia, and that word means gathering or group. And so the church is it, not at all described as a legal entity, not at all described in a lot of ways. But all that it says very clearly that the church is, is it's just a group of people. And it's a group of people that have chosen to follow Jesus. And so no matter where I am, I am the church, and I'm a part of that group of people. And and certainly there's value in us coming together. I don't mean to say that we don't need to be together and doing this together. But the idea is I am church no matter where I am. And I am a part of the church, and I am the church no matter where I happen to be. So now let me ask you a question. Armed with that knowledge, what kind of church do you want to go to? Like, if you could choose, what kind of church would you want to be a part of? Some people want to be a part of a huge church, and some people like a small church like this one. And some people um, some people want to be a part of a church where the pastor wears a T-shirt. And some people want to be a part of a church where the pastor wears a suit. And I would never work at one of those places. Um, not I wouldn't work there. I don't think it would work out for me there. Um, but nonetheless, they're all different kind of things. Some people want to say, I want a church that's relaxed. You know, like where the important things matter or we don't worry about the unimportant things. Um, some people say, I want a church that's helpful and beneficial. You know, like, so when I'm going through a hard time, it's not like, oh, we'll pray for you, which means we've forgotten already. Um, you know, I, I want something where if people say they'll pray for me, they really will. And, and, and when I have an issue, it's not only prayer, it's prayer and. And, and so I want to be a part of a place like that. Some people want to be a part of a church that makes a difference. So when there's a hurricane and it seems like people need some help, we find a way to plug in and help. 
And some people want to be a part of a church like that. Some people want to be a part of a church that feels like family. I think I'm just giving you my list. Maybe I should say, this is the kind of church I want to be a part of. Um, but uh, some people want to be a part of a church that feels like family. And so when you come in, it's not like you went to, you know, the bingo hall and, and it's fun there, but you don't really know people. Uh, you come to a place where you absolutely know people. I want to be a part of a church that preaches the truth and studies the Bible. Like Those are the things that I want. So what about you? I'm not asking you to shout out your answers, but I just want you to think through. Um, maybe you want to go to church that has, has a building. Um, we sort of have a building, you know. Um, maybe you want to be a part of a church that's a lot bigger. Maybe you want to be a part of a church where people are friendlier. I don't know. People tend to be pretty friendly here, but sometimes I'm grouchy. Um, all those things that you think of, that you say, I wish the church was this or this. Um, that's what Paul is saying then you be those things. If you want to be a part of a friendlier church, then start being friendlier. You're already the church. If you want to be a part of a church that prays more, then start praying more because you're the church. If you want to be a part of a church that's bigger, then start inviting people. If you want to be a part of a church that that that, that speaks the truth and studies the Bible, then start studying your Bible more because you are the church and the things that you want in church are the things that you become. Because that's what the church is. It's just you and I. It's just the people. Let me tell you a couple of things that the church is not. I already said this, but the church is not me. I am not the... I, well, I just said we are the church, and I said I'm not the church. But the church is not me exclusively. It's not my deal. It's not my... my you know, it's not my club. There's this guy, Colby, uh, that used to pastor here at Rio Vista. I was talking to him this past week. And he said, uh, there's a guy that came in the coffee shop. You know, he works at PJ's. And he said, the guy told him, um, you know, I used to have my own church. And uh, started to tell him about, um, yeah, he said, one day I was watching TV and there was a guy with a suit and he was preaching. And I was like, man, I could get me a suit and I could preach. And so he did. And so he got a suit and, and started to preach. And some people came and, and he talked about how the church bought him a car and his wife a car. And, uh, you know, it sounded a little crazy. But nonetheless, the guy started saying, you know, you know I had me a church and, and we bought me a house. And we did a lot of those things. A lot of people came. And, and very clearly, that is not the church. And that is not at all what I have here. The church did not buy my truck. The church would not buy an asset like that. Um, but the church is absolutely not me. The church is not uh, the, the core team that was here when we launched. The, the church is not the staff that's here now. It's none of those things. Uh, the staff that do that, me, anyone who does anything that you may feel like really it's their church, those are just people that are a part of the church exercising their gifts in a certain way. The church is also not a building. Sometimes if people say, where do you go to church? And you say, uh, I go to St. Rita. They know, oh, I know right where that is. Like that's where the church is. But the church is not a building. The church is in no way a, a, a brick and mortar structure. The church is not a denomination. And sometimes churches build buildings because it helps them do things better. And sometimes churches form denominations like, like, like they're denominations that are formed for purposes. So, so, you know, you can give to missions or so that you can, uh, so that you can partner together to do certain things. Denominations are good. Um, but denominations are not the church. It's just a part of the church. The church is not any of those things. The church is us. And the idea is, for those of us that have said, I want to stop chasing sin and I want to follow you, Jesus, and, and, and you are the Lord of my life. And for everyone that has said that and has become a Jesus follower and has been made new, the church is you.
very clearly. Um, did I ever tell you guys, I'm sure I've told you some of you individually, but did I ever tell you about the, the first couple times I spoke in church? You guys nod if you, this story's familiar. Okay, good, this is fun. Um, so the very first time that I spoke in front of a group of people, I was in the eighth grade, and they were all, maybe I was in the ninth grade, I can't remember. Maybe 10th, who knows? But anyway, they were sixth graders. I remember that. And uh, there was a group of little sixth graders, and uh, we had a Bible study at school. And so um, the Bible study was during their um, was during their break time, and uh, my youth minister led it. And then he was like, Adam, I want you to come lead it this week. It was usually like eight or ten kids. And this week they changed the time that the Bible study met. And so before they they had to give up their break to come to Bible study. Well, not many people wanted to give up their break, so they um, so not many people came. This week you got to get out of class early if you came to Bible study. So I walk in. And I'm thinking there's going to be 10 or 12, and they just keep coming in the doors. And there's like a 100 of them. It's the entire sixth grade. And and I am just scared out of my mind. And so I walk in front of them, and I'm kind of like, I, you know, and then I'm looking right down. I mean, and they're just sixth graders, but I'm so scared. And uh, and I've got like 10 full minutes planned. I've rehearsed it. It's 10 full minutes. And uh, and I, I look down, and I just start reading this thing. And I just read it, and, and I'm and I'm I'm sure that an hour has passed, and uh, and I look up, and I don't even know if they knew that I started. I mean, it was about one minute past, uh, about a minute. It took me a minute. I was done. I even prayed in that minute, and I looked up, and I think they were still waiting on me to start. I was talking so low, I was looking straight down, and then I just dismissed them. You know, I said thanks for coming, and they couldn't have cared less. Um, so that was the first time. I don't really actually remember how it ended. I think we just train wrecked all the way to the end and then the bell rang. Um, but then the, the next time somebody decided they would let me do it again. And so I preached in front of the whole church. This was like a year later. And so it was a Sunday night. I had 25 or 30 minutes. And, and the pastor, you know, they basically sang two songs and then here you go. You get to preach. And so I had rehearsed this thing, and I had 40 minutes. I mean, I rehearsed it four and five times. And uh, so I had a full 40 minutes, and I was not sure how I was going to squeeze it all into 25 minutes. So I get up there, and, and I start preaching, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm telling jokes, and I'm, you know, everything. I'm just everything I got. And I throw it all out there, and I read some scripture, and, uh, and they got this little thing like we, we do here. It's like a little clock right there. And, uh, and I look at it, seven minutes passed. And I'm done. That's everything I've got. And so I did like any good preacher, and I just repeated everything that I could remember. And I repeated it all, and I looked down, and 11 minutes had passed. And I had nothing left to say. And so I, uh, I, I prayed, and I remember when I said, let's pray. And I didn't even know how to end. You know, I was just like, okay, well, you know, let's pray. And I remember looking down and seeing people waking up. And going like, oh, wow, you know, like we're already done. And uh, so that was the first two times that I preached. But yet somehow somebody in, in the life of the church was like, hey, here's a guy who, who seems to love the Lord and, um, and likes to talk a lot. And so we're going to keep giving him opportunities. And so very, very slowly I got marginally better and, uh, and continued to preach and continued to teach. And, and fast forward all the way to now where I'm a pro, right? Um, but really where, where I, I, I preach every week. And, and not only that, but I, I also I teach in schools because I, I just think I'm using that gift that God gave me in more ways than one. And so preaching here and, and teaching there and being in front of students and those kind of things and trying to be the church here but also be the church there. 
But that's the whole idea is, is all throughout 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you read the whole verse, what Paul is saying is you are parts of the church and each of you have gifts. And it looks kind of funny on the screen there, you know, just the wording, but I couldn't figure out. I'm not an author. I'm a speaker, right? Um, but, uh, but the whole idea is you have a gift and, and God has given you that gift and he's given you a passion for something. If you've been coming to small group, that was sort of the homework in week two. Um, but the idea is you've been giving a gift and God wants you to exercise it in the church. If you're good at administration, then, then that's something you can do in the life of the church. If you're able to teach, you need to be doing that. Uh, right now we've got four groups going on with four different teachers, and man, we'd love to have a few more. And uh, if you can teach, you need to be doing that. If you're really nice and you like to host people, then maybe you have this gift of hospitality. And, and man, what a great thing in the church. New people come, or maybe not even new people, just people that aren't as connected and you connect with them. Or maybe you use your gift of hospitality outside of the church. And so there are people at work that get left out, and man, you just plug them in. And, uh, and you invite people to your house, and people feel welcomed with you, and they feel loved by you because you sort of have that gift. Maybe, uh, you know, Jess says, she used to say all the time, I'm talentless. You know, I don't, I don't have talents. I'm talentless. Um, but, uh, but yet, here's somebody who's really great with numbers and has a master's degree in accounting. And, uh, and, and man, that, that's good stuff. And so we use that here. Um, and so when you have a gift, the idea is that you do things in the life of the church. The reality is, and I've said this a bunch of times, but um, God made you just like you are with your uniqueness, with your weirdness, or with your coolness, or with what you're good at, or with what you have. He made you that way so that you could use that gift or that weirdness or whatever it is to do great things for Him. And as a part of the church, He designed you just like He wanted you to be so that you could fulfill a purpose. That's the idea of the church. So here's what I think. Here's the big picture. Check out this picture up here. I think that this picture is the idea of the church. And so when somebody looks back from a distance and sees the church, they see Jesus. That's what it looks like. It looks like love. It looks like Jesus did. That's, that's what it looks like from a distance. But then when you zoom in, and if you've got bad eyes and you can't tell what's going on up there, uh, when you zoom in, it's just a bunch of people. That's the idea of the church is it looks like Jesus, but it's just a bunch of people seeking to live like Jesus. That's the church. That's the whole idea. And it's people taking down curtains, and it's people making coffee, and it's people uh, loving one another and, and bringing meals to them when they've been sick, and it's people praying for one another, and it's people leading their families well. It's people doing all those little things, but when we put all those together and we live those out, then as the church we look like Jesus. And that's the idea of church. So let me ask you this. Who are you? Who are you? And, and, and accordingly, what are you doing as part of the body? What are you doing as part of the body? Because you are the church. You are the church universal. You are Live Oak Church. What, has God, what is God leading you to do? What has God gifted you to do? Let me pray. God, I pray for all the things that you've put in our mind just now. 
And God, if nothing has come through this morning, that I pray that in this moment that that would change and that you would impact the, the minds and the hearts and the lives of people who haven't considered that much. And maybe it's right now in this moment, in this room. Maybe it's somebody who finds our podcast and listens to it later. But God, I pray that, that you would impact those lives and people would really begin to ask, God, what would you have of me? And God, I pray for those of us that it was really, really clear to us what you've called us to do. And we've been thinking about it for a long time, and and you've been putting it on our hearts. God, I pray that we would do those things. And they wouldn't be things that just get stuck on our brain that we let go, but we would be about living those out. I pray that for us. God, I praise you for this morning and this worship. And God, may we just continue to bring praise to you. Amen.